in this practice. And I want to give preference first to uh, anything specific that's uh, in relation to what I've shared this morning or your experience sitting and walking. And uh, if we run out of those kinds of questions, then we can open it up to more more general questions about the, the teachings or the practice. And so if you just raise your hand, uh, Tim or, or Jim will bring over a mic. Hi. Hi. I was wondering about, uh, you know, you were talking about if an itch comes up and how to be mindful of it, but not necessarily always act on it mm-hmm. and um, be aware of the discomfort mm-hmm. and just sit with it. Mm-hmm. What about for those that have um, pretty severe illness or injury yeah. and sitting in meditation can be really sure. challenging? And so yeah. how do you uh, work with that? Yeah, yeah. Important question. Thank you. Many, many ways to work with it. I'll say uh, maybe two or three things. Uh, so one, um, it is okay to move while you're meditating, right? So uh, if your knee hurts and you observe that once and then you observe it twice and then it's still hurting and you observe it third time, maybe you choose to move, okay? But we can move in a way that's like, Oh, my knee hurts, and we move. Or we can move in a way that's like, oh, the knee hurts. Yeah, maybe it's time to shift. Okay. And then kind of slowly, mindfully, we shift. And then it becomes part of the meditation rather than something that's taking us away from the meditation. We just, we're aware of the whole process. Okay. So whether it's kind of chronic pain or illness, or you're just, you know, concerned about not wanting to tweak your back or something, uh, there can be a conscious, balanced choice to move or shift the posture. And then we do it with awareness. Um, if you suffer from chronic illness or chronic pain, uh, I, it's something that I, I teach on regularly, and I'm doing a day-long in January here on that topic. So you might want to come. We'll spend a whole day answering that question. Yeah. Other questions? behind you. Um, just that last part you said about the uh, restraining the mind and you, you really um, <laughs> were speaking to me when you said you know you think about something you have to do that day and oh there might be traffic. Right. That's um, and this is I, I have done uh, TM every morning for uh, more than 40 years uh-huh. and m- recently I'm having more struggle with uh-huh. that uh-huh. Uh, inability to restrain uh-huh. um, all the other thoughts of sure. planning the day sure uh, it's okay. that, you know first first thing in the morning thing. right so a couple things um, I can't speak to uh, uh, transcendental meditation because it's not something I'm trained in. Um, but I can I can speak to how I would encourage someone to deal with that using this practice or technique. Um, so two or three things. One, the most basic instruction would just be to try to make a mental note or label of what's happening. So in that case, it's planning. So it's just, oh, planning. 
try, try to see it planning clearly. That's what that is. It's just like hearing. It's just a mental phenomenon. It's just, oh, that's the mind planning. And then come back. It's the more clearly you can see and recognize an experience as it is, rather than I need to figure that out, I need to figure that out is a thought. I need to figure that out is a feeling of pressure. But that's what that is, pressure. The more clearly we can see an experience just as an experience, it allows the mind to disengage from it some, to put it down, to not get as entangled and involved. So that's the most basic, that's like the primary basic instruction way to relate to it. Um, The two other things that I would say is if it's a recurring habit, pattern. Uh, So one is you might find it helpful to set aside some time the night before you go to bed or even in the morning before you wake up to plan. Get a piece of paper, piece of paper and pen and just write down the things you need to do so that you've actually kind of, you've done that, right? And then the mind doesn't need to worry about it. Uh, the other thing is, um, so again, we're, we're, we're working now with this first part of the practice, the calming, where, where our primary intention is to just let stuff go and come back, right? That's limited. If that's the only thing you know how to do in life, it, it's helpful, but you know you got to deal with stuff eventually, right? That's part two. <laughs> that's actually dealing with stuff, looking at it closely, understanding it. How do I relate to this? How do I handle this? So if there's a mental pattern that keeps coming up, eventually you need to look at it. It's not just put it down, put it down, put it down. If something keeps knocking at your door, eventually you have to say, "Who are? What do you want? Do, do we need to talk?" Like, right? So we'll look at that this afternoon. Yeah, this this gentleman in front. Hello. Hi. So I'm still a beginner, and I the walking meditation was the first time I've ever done that. Yeah. And so there was a lot of uncertainty yeah. there for me, uh, and I, the feeling that I felt was I was like trying to teach myself how to walk in a weird way, mm-hmm. and it was mm-hmm. very slow. But mm-hmm. I, I'm still looking for more tips on how to I- incorporate that because it seems like it's something that I can do on a daily basis. Great. The the things that I'm most confused about is like you know it's a beautiful setting like how much does the setting play in that especially totally. when you're walking and totally. wanting to see the setting yeah and uh, so that, that I, one thing that I found myself doing and you can tell me like as a beginner I, I'm always thinking am I doing this right or wrong right yeah yeah is just like focusing on a piece and then adding another piece like mm-hmm. what what kind of tips sure. do you have for walking meditation great. great thank you yeah I gave very very rudimentary instructions so I'm really glad you asked the question and I love walking meditation it's one of my favorite uh, forms of meditation and uh, um There's so many things I could say. So, um, so first, yeah, it's uh, it's great to your intuition. I would support what your intuition is doing. Like, just focus on one piece and see, like, get that, and then focus on another piece in in any kind of meditation or any tool or skill or right. But that's that's a useful way to learn. Um, 
a couple of things on the benefits of walking meditation. Um, a lot of our life we're moving around and doing things. Walking meditation is uh, a, a way to bridge formal sitting meditation practice into having more awareness in our life in general. Because when we're walking, we're moving. So part of what we're learning while we're walking is how to be aware while moving. The more, the more we develop a sense of how to, how to be in the body and aware while walking, the more we get a, a sort of kinesthetic feeling of what that's like, that starts to carry over. So you're walking from your car to the grocery store, you're going into the drugstore, you're you know, uh, waiting for the train. The, the, the body becomes a place to just be aware and you feel that. Um, many other benefits to walking meditation, concentration, health benefits, ease, relaxation. Um, there's a difference between formal walking meditation, which is what I was offering instructions for, where you have a path, you pace back and forth, your attention is focused inward. That's a training. It's a very useful training. There's a difference between that and um, a more fluid, open walking meditation where the attention is more uh, uh, flexible. You're with the body and the sensations, but you might also notice sounds. You might also notice sights. You might be taking a walk rather than walking back and forth, right? In order to be able to do that, for most people, it's helpful to train first in the kind of formal walking back and forth because then we, we build up the capacity to just feel the body while walking. And that takes some doing. Right? You can feel, you can feel it for a step, but for 10 steps, for 20 steps, like to have a continuity of awareness and really feel that uh, that that we build up over time, and then that becomes a basis for just being able to walk around and enjoy enjoy the process of walking. Um, so you can feel the sensations of 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 a of a, of a step and another step. Um, you you we can use a mental note. So just like breathing in, breathing out, you can use a soft mental note, and then depending on the pace at which you're walking the note might change. So if you're walking at a fairly brisk pace, it might just be step, 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 step. Okay? It's not a mantra. It's like a reminder. It's like pointing. So um, if I do this, you, you, you look at the statue, right? You don't look at my finger. You look at the statue. That's what a mental note does. It points the attention to the experience. So then it could be right, left right, left. It could be lifting, placing, lifting, placing. Where it gets really slow, it becomes lifting, moving, placing, lifting, moving, placing. You break the step down, right? You start with, as, you, as the mind gets slower and more concentrated, the process begins to break down into smaller chunks or components of attending to and feeling the sensations. Okay? You can also vary where you're focusing your attention. So sometimes you can experiment, just focus on the feet. 
just the contact with the ground, the contact with the ground. You can focus on the lower body, the the legs. So you just you feel the legs moving. You can focus on the whole body. So you feel the 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 rhythm of changing sensations, the way the shoulders and the hips rotate, the way the arm swings. This it's this very kind of uh, soothing, syncopated movement walking that's actually quite complicated, which is why when we begin to bring attention to it, it feels like we're learning to walk again. Yeah. So it's a very flexible practice. Those are some of the, some of the ways you can play with it. Yeah. This woman in front. You got a mic over here. Great. Could you say something more about how to to meditate with the sleepiness? Sure. Because yeah. uh, technically, I I don't know how to do that, and I yeah. see also that there is a lot of yeah self judgment coming out. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, earlier, yeah. and I see uh, that yeah. it's creating more contraction. Great. Okay. So the first the first step is to is to um, use whatever. Uh, Whatever wisdom and understanding you have to um, uh, try not to feed the self-judgment. Sleepiness is completely normal in meditation. It's it's normal for two reasons. Number one, most of us are (laughs) sleep-deprived. So oftentimes you get on a meditation retreat and the first couple days is just catching up on sleep. You know, the body's just tired. It just needs sleep, you know? So it's Saturday. Maybe you had a really busy week. Maybe you're just tired. And that's okay, you know? So one of the strategies of dealing with sleepiness is to just take a, take a nap. <laughs> just let yourself fall asleep for, you know, even if it's just for like a couple minutes. Just let yourself nod off. And then you find, oh, there's actually some more energy. Because, right... If it's on a meditation retreat, you might need to like go take a nap for an hour after lunch or something. Okay, so um, that's one reason why it's normal because we're tired. The other reason why it's normal is because for most of our lives, when the body is still and the eyes are closed, that means go to sleep. <laughs> so you get still, you close your eyes. Our mind goes, "Oh, it's time to go to sleep." <laughs> Because that's what we've done our whole life. So it actually, it, it takes time for the nervous system to learn how to be still, calm, and alert. It's a very particular kind of balance. And it's something that we're always doing in meditation practice. We're balancing these qualities of relaxation and calming on the one hand, and interest and energy on the other. Okay, So that's kind of the framework for it. Methods for dealing with sleepiness, um, sitting up more straight. Okay, um, so they're 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 physiological methods, and then they're um, kind of mental methods. So the physiological methods are adjust the body in some way, sit up more straight, open your eyes, pull your earlobes, bring more attention to the in breath. The in-breath energizes the body. The out-breath calms the body. If you're sleepy, focus on the in-breath. If you're restless, focus on the out-breath. Okay? Um, stand. 
Very difficult to fall asleep when standing. It can be done. You usually have to be really tired. <laughs> um, but it's fine to stand up. So if we're sitting and, you, you know, after 10 or 15 minutes, you're just, you're doing one of these where you just keep falling, stand up. Meditate while standing up. So those are a few of the physiological things you can do. You can also work with the mind. So you can recollect your intention. Why am I doing this? I'm not, I don't want to just fall asleep. I really want to learn something. You can imagine that you're sitting on the edge of a, of a well or the edge of a cliff. So it's a way of bringing a sense of alertness into the, into the body. You can contemplate uh, the impermanence of life, the fact that, you know, time is, is uh, a limited resource, so I want to use my time well. I don't want to spend this time falling asleep. I actually want to be present. So things like that you can do with your mind. Yeah, please. Can you say a few words about the frustration factor? So that last half hour sitting um, was kind of torture for me. Mm -hmm. And um, it's very hard for me to quiet my mind. And then I sort of just say, okay, I'm done with this. I can't Mm -hmm. do it. I need to get up and go away or go Mm -hmm. do something. Right. Um, And I'm just one, I mean, a couple things about that, but also I'm wondering, is it better just to start shorter Mm -hmm. so that doesn't kick in? Mm -hmm. Because it felt like time kind of stood still and it was very long. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Again, completely natural, normal experience. I once had a Zen teacher earlier in my practice and I asked a very similar question about how frustrated I was and I just couldn't get the mind to settle down and just, you know, really hard and he said um, he said oh this will be a very valuable experience for you and I always I always remember that Um, we can learn from anything so we want we come to meditation and we want to feel calm and peaceful Um, so part of working with frustration is shifting our uh, our beliefs about its value and recognizing that uh, yeah it's uncomfortable we don't like it because it's uncomfortable but that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it and that doesn't mean that we're not meditating you are meditating you are you're just experiencing frustration so that's really important, that point. This is, this is a, a fundamental shift in meditation practice that I was going to talk more about this afternoon, but um, our habitual way of going through life 
for you know kind of evolutionary reasons is that we uh, seek pleasure and avoid pain. And so our kind of default intentions and our default way of relating to sensory and mental experience internally and externally uh, is one of control, manipulation, and resistance. We try to control experience to bring the pleasant things towards us and remove the unpleasant things. And that makes sense, and it works sometimes, and it's limited. Because if you sit down for half an hour and close your eyes and you're driving yourself crazy, you know, and the more you try to control the experience, the, the more frustrated you get, right? You, we start to see very clearly, okay, this is not working, right? So mindfulness is about shifting that. Mindfulness practice is one, one of my teachers, Michelle McDonald, one of uh, the way she puts it is she says, um, mindfulness is the intention to understand rather than to judge. So the pleasure praying principle is about judging. Good, bad, want, don't want. Come close, go away. And we're doing that all day long through our life. Mindfulness is actually stepping outside of that cycle and saying, huh, how's this feel? What's this like? What's happening here? Can I just be with this? Can I just observe this? That's huge, that shift the intention to understand. So when frustration arises, it persists because we're caught in the cycle of judging and controlling. The way out of it is to, is to, is to shift to see, okay, can I just be with this? Just try to feel this and understand what's happening here. And the more the mind can do that, the more the mind disengages from those impulses to control it, the the mechanisms that are feeding it will 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 weaken and and it will settle on its own. Yeah, is that helpful? Yeah, it makes a lot. Okay, of sense. great. Sounds like it's going to take work. Yeah, it does. It does take work, and it takes patience. And there are things that you there there are things that you can do. You know, um, it can be helpful to open the eyes look around the room a little bit, you know, because things get really compressed and it feels like, you know, those, those little balls that bounce, like you throw it down on the ground, it's boom, 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 it's like bouncing off the walls. It can feel like that inside, you know. So, you know, just step back, open the eyes, take a few deep breaths, start over, focus on the out breath some, and then really start to watch when it starts to feel tight because the frustration begins when we try to start controlling our experience and feel like we want to feel calm and we want our thinking to settle and it's not happening right that's the beginning of the frustration so part of the part of the uh, the resolution of it is learning how to like consider your mind uh, like an orchestra that's warming up and it's like cacophony. All the instruments are playing at the same time and there's no rhythm and there's no melody. And it's just like, you know. If you try to control that, you're going to tire yourself out. If you just settle back and just listen to the chaos, it's not a problem. You're welcome. 
Time for maybe one more, yeah, down here in front. So just wait for the mic. Continuing. So kind of continuing on this theme, like if I'm, I'm trying to organize my mind around that, the frustration, there's awareness of frustration, mm-hmm. so it's almost like labeling mm-hmm. how frustration is here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sort of stepping back from the trying to, like you said, control or the doing, like, mm-hmm. oh, I need to do something about that. Mm-hmm. And then is the... You know, like the next steps, just basically almost learning to be comfortable with the frustration. Yeah. And if it's there the next day, then, oh, it's here again. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to articulate this. Yeah, I have but, a sense of where you're going. What I'm hearing is two things. One, um, in the moment, like somatically, how do you relate to it? Is there anything else in terms of working with it skillfully? And then what happens if it feels like a pattern that you're stuck in or it's kind of like every time I sit, I'm feeling frustrated. Is that Yeah, and my thought was like, is this where you bring in like a purposeful loving-kindness practice Yeah. in that respect? Yeah, right, or, right. You know, sure. that's, that's, it's kind of like it, that's the doing, but yeah, yeah. that would seem skillful. Yeah, yeah. Is that, am I on the right track with that? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, so, um, so the response I was sharing just before, right, was, uh, was about working with the frustration through mindfulness and clear seeing, right? Um, the other option, which is what you're kind of asking and bringing forward, uh, is kind of like changing the channel. It's like saying, you know, like the mind's super frustrated right now, kind of isn't working. I'm actually just going to like bring in something lighter, bring in a different energy to balance this. Loving kindness, for example, right? Yeah, that's, that's totally skillful sometimes to just, to just shift gears internally. Um, there's a, there's, I've been emphasizing the relaxation part because we tend to overdo, we tend to overstrive, but all meditation practice up to a certain point involves a certain amount of doing. It's a more subtle doing, but to pay attention to your breath, you have to do something. It's not just relax and let everything be. You actually have to kind of like, okay, stay here, be with this. There's a very gentle kind of subtle intending to stay with the experience. Um, and loving kindness practice is a, is a kind of doing, and that can be helpful, it can be soothing. Yeah. I think that can be supportive. And, yeah, yeah. You know, it's all about your intention. If, we're, if, we, if we sit down to meditate for 45 minutes, and after 20 minutes we start to feel frustrated, and we try to observe it for five minutes. And then we decide this isn't working. And so we switch to metta practice. And then you feel happier. And then your 45 minutes is over. And you do that every single time you sit. That's not skillful. Because we're not actually learning how to deal with frustration. If you do that sometimes, yeah, fine, no problem. But you want to look at, okay, so now I kind of like do some metta practice, help the mind settle, bring in some like a brighter, warmer quality. Okay, then come back to the breath or whatever you're working with. See what happens. 
Because the idea is, is we want to be able to, to, within that very experience of frustration, bring in some kindness and really feel like, oh, it's okay, I can be with this and find, the, find a sense of becoming comfortable with, with that which is uncomfortable. Yeah, because that's, that's really where we start to experience more freedom in our lives is, is when that, uh, that recoiling inside from that which is unpleasant begins to soften and, there's, and we're able to stay with things and not be as reactive. Yeah. So let's pause here. Um, I want to offer just a few suggestions for, for lunch. We'll take an, an hour lunch break. Uh, and I, and I want to make uh, one or two announcements. So um, we'll keep this room in silence during lunch. If uh, my invitation to you is to is to keep the silence through lunch, you know, take take lunch just as a time to just be with yourself. Um, you know, take a walk, enjoy enjoy the scenery and the air. Um, but 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 stay uh, in more of a contemplative inner inner space as a choice if you came here with someone you know and you want to talk it's up to you but that would be my recommendation um, uh, if you've never practiced mindful eating this is a great time to explore that <laughs> so um, that can be an enjoyable practice it doesn't need to be excruciating uh, um the essentials of it are uh, begin uh, by contemplating your food. So just kind of take some time to think about what it means to have food and where it comes from and why we eat. Why we eat. I should really look at that question. Uh, so you contemplate your food, 30 seconds, five minutes, whatever feels good for you. Um, and then pay attention to the experience of eating. So my suggestion would be, if you haven't done mindful eating before, try to try to take the first three bites really, really mindfully, really slowly. See the food, pick it up, smell, feel the touch, feel the taste, Feel the chewing and the tasting. Try to pay attention to when you swallow. Try to just do that for three bites if you've never done mindful eating before. And, and, then, and then just keep your attention with the eating in a, in, a, in, a, in a more relaxed and general way. Just be aware that you're eating, taste it, enjoy it, rather than looking at your phone or thinking about what you're going to do tonight while you're eating and we're not really paying attention. So one or two just uh, announcements. Um, this is one of the one of the most enjoyable things that I do in my life is sharing about this practice because it's so meaningful for me and it's it's really been such a gift. Uh, it's been so transformative in my life. So. Um, if you want to stay in touch and kind of hear about what I'm doing or where I'm teaching or things that I'm writing, I keep a, an email list and I send out a, an email once every month and a half or so. Uh, 
with links to like, oh, here's a Dharma talk I gave, or here's an article I wrote, or um, stuff like that. So if, you, if you'd like to stay in touch in that way, I'd be really happy to, to do that. And you can print your email address on the sign-up sheet that's out there. Someone named Marsha Goldberg wrote your name down. You're not going to get my email because you didn't write your address. You just wrote your name. So if you want, you can print your email address. Um, if, you're, if you're interested in uh, like more of this kind of teaching and, and learning more about my approach to meditation practice and kind of how I've integrated the things that I've learned from my teachers, um, I run an online course called Next Step Dharma. It's online at nextstepdharma.org. And there's some, uh, some of these postcards out there um, and uh, it's a six-week online course, and there's a very wide sliding scale, so feel free to take a look at that. It's framed around coming off of a retreat and integrating the practice into your daily life, but you don't need to have sat a retreat to do it because it's really about meditating in daily life, so you can check that out. Um, and then the last thing is uh, I'm teaching a six-week course coming up in January uh, on, on taking these tools of meditation and bringing them into our relationships through through speech, through how we listen and communicate with one another. It's another area I focus on. Um, and so it's uh, I'll be teaching one class in Berkeley and one class in San Francisco, and there's some flyers for that outside also. So feel free to pick one of those up, or if you have someone in your life who you'd like to take that course, <laughs> you, can, you can give one of these to them, your colleague at work or your, your partner at home. <laughs> So let's just sit together for a minute to just let the words settle before before we shift gears to lunch. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.